Kennesaw State Athletics, Van Wagner Sports and Entertainment, and HelloFresh present Inside the Nest. A weekly look inside Kennesaw State football. Cooper takes the snap and drops the throw. Here comes the pressure. Airs it far side. It is batted away and picked off in the end zone. The Owls have won it in overtime. Bust out the plank. It was Bryson Armstrong and the Owls in the wildest game in their history. Hold off the Jacksonville State Gamecocks 60-52. to And now let's go inside the nest. The Inside the Nest presented by HelloFresh. Brian Giffen with Nathan McCreary. We look back at a 26-23 overtime loss up at Kent State. And a little bit of a kick in the gut, Nathan. Very reminiscent of the Georgia State game a year ago. It's a game you had all kinds of opportunities to expand your lead, maybe even put away. And the Owls, as well as they played in some phases, were also their worst enemy in others. Yeah, I went back and watched the game, and and you you can pull out about eight plays that any one of those goes Kennesaw State's way, you may come out victorious. Yeah. I mean, there were just that many pivotal plays, and they all seemed to go Kent State's way. But Kent State also didn't have a great game with two special teams fumbles, and they could not stop Kennesaw State's run. That final drive with the final owl drive in the regulation where they scored the touchdown – I thought Kennesaw State played well. Kent State had no answer for the run game, but you just shot yourself in the foot too many times. The other thing is there were some untimely penalties. There were some bad calls officiating-wise. Now, you can make the case every week, the, you know, the officials are human and this and that. One of the things I asked Coach about this morning was when you go out of conference and you go somewhere that you've never been, and in, in particular like a MAC opponent where you have a MAC officiating crew, I'm not so sure a lot of these officiating crews that aren't accustomed to seeing this cut block strategy and the way that this is implemented, which is legal, I'm not sure they always interpret that right. And they certainly blatantly missed some of those. Cost the Owls a touchdown in one instance. Yeah, and you'd have to go back and look at every single play. The cut block, and we kind of, we didn't really talk about it off the air, and th- but we know going into every single game when a cut block is called, this team is very efficient. They know the rules. They know what they can and can't do. So it's going to be, if it is a true cut block and, and it's called and it's rightly called, it's a breakdown in fundamentals for this team. I was standing right next to Coach Bohanna when the cut block was called. His face was beat red, and he said, that's not a cut block. You missed the call. Um, so those are the frustrations. But were there missed calls on the other side? I'm sure there were. You hate to go back to the officials. I think the officials – did a pretty decent sure. job of the game. Um, I think it comes down to Daniel David throwing across his body into double coverage in the you know, end zone. On second and eight, no less, yeah. at about the 22-yard line. I think it comes down to not converting in the red zone, uh, those plays. I think it comes down to um, that final drive. It seemed like we were snapping the ball with 15, 20 seconds left on the clock. And I know it's a tempo offense, and I, and I don't know, and I'm not going to pretend to know, the ins and outs, it'd be, it'd be interesting to talk to Coach Chestnut about, you know, how do you, how do you maintain a tempo when, you've, when you're trying to drain the clock? Um, I don't know. I think that we, we snap the ball. You take 30 seconds off that clock, you really put the pressure on There's Kent no State. Doubt. So those kind of things, I think, uh, and let me tell you, this coaching staff is most professional, you know, one I, I've been around. So they are looking at those exact same things. If you think you know what happened there, they doubly know what happened there. And they're, yeah. they're looking at things that we 
we didn't see happen. It'd be interesting to know, and and I know they'll talk about oh, this is assignment football. How many assignments they thought were list, uh, missed throughout that game because that was a big defensive line. The Kennesaw State defensive line had its hands full, um, and you had people like Peyton Moore who had a big game getting getting a quarterback sack and and putting a lot more pressure on the uh, the quarterback Crum when the second half started. And you know what? They prepared for Woody Bar- uh, Barrett, and they saw Crum the entire game. So all those things coming into that, you've got a three-point loss in overtime, and, and you can you can dissect it you know, all you want, but it's still a three-point loss, and it burns. You know, that's a great point you made about the time on the play clock, though, because that is a critical component of trying to put a game away. And I think Kent State had two timeouts up there at the point where with a minute 47 to go, you score to take the lead. Mm-hmm. I was a little puzzled the Owls played as loose coverage-wise on the ensuing drive for Kent State that led to the game-tying field goal. Um, you don't know. I don't know what the, what the situation was, but it certainly was a drive that just matriculated down the field way too easily and get them in the field goal range. You know, one of the things that stands out about both this game and the Georgia State game a year ago with now two pretty different Owls teams, I think the talent is here. But for the most part, maybe unless you're playing an upper echelon one that's going to go out and win 10 or 11 games, this team can play. This team has the talent to play with, you know, these mid-major FBS conference type teams for the most part. Now, again, you're not going to go beat the Sunbelt champion or the CUSA champion, but it speaks a lot to what Kennesaw State has going. And it speaks a lot to, I think, the unique style with which they play. You know, look, two games, they really should have won right. both of them. And I think they, I think if you played a perfect game and Kent State played their game, you win that game by 14, 20 points. Yeah. I really do. And it just didn't go that way. You, it's, because it's a young team, because you know there's going to be mistakes, I watched the, the offensive line the entire game, and I thought they moved really, really well out of their set and really weren't a hindrance to what Kennesaw State did. Uh, the wide receivers blocked extremely well. So, uh, yeah, I, you're right. I think the talent is there for them to beat uh, a team that was picked to finish third in the uh, the MAC, their division. Um, you know, hey, I, I think that Kent State's got some talent. Kennesaw State should have beat them. The best team that was on the field did not win Saturday. And I know it's, you know, people are going to go, well, you lost the game. You did. But I, we got to see it in person, and I think the better team walked out of there shooting themselves in the own, their, their foot and, and did not win the game because of mistakes. And you can make the same case for what happened last year yep. against Georgia State, albeit a more veteran Kennesaw State team. Well, we have a whole lot more coming up for you on this week's Inside the Nest. Coming up next, Brandon Joseph gets together with Owls defensive coordinator Blake Harrell. Following that, Nathan gets together with Owls wide receiver Caleb O'Neill. All of that comes your way after this timeout right here. This is Inside the Nest, presented by HelloFresh, and you're listening to Kennesaw State University football. Fans will have more reason to be excited at kickoff this season as Kennesaw State will host a free tailgate, live music, and a variety of food trucks for each game at Fifth Third Bank Stadium. Prior to every home game, fans can get ready for game day with Owl Town, a free tailgate that begins three hours prior to kickoff. Located at the Owl's Nest, off Busby Drive, across from the Gold Lot, Owl Town provides a fun and festive atmosphere for all ages. Owl Town will feature live music, a variety of vendors, and there will be inflatable fun for kids. 
Get there early because thanks to JD's Barbecue, Owltown has free food to the first 200 fans. Alcohol, soft drinks, and water will be available for sale. Owltown closes 30 minutes prior to kickoff, but KSU is excited to announce the addition of food trucks inside Fifth Third Bank Stadium. Every home game, fans can add local and unique flavors to their game day experience. Kennesaw State football, the gold standard. If you've been wondering what could solve your dinner dilemma or ever wanted to try out the concept of meal kit delivery, HelloFresh will be there during home games to talk about healthy eating and sustainability. Our brand ambassadors will have example menu cards for our typical recipes and also feature specialty diets such as keto, gluten-free, and vegan. If you've been wondering what the keto diet is or perhaps how meal kits help the environment, we've got all the answers. We'll have a special discount if you find the HelloFresh is right for you. Come learn about healthy eating with HelloFresh. Hey, do you love your KSU Owls but can't commit to a full season ticket? Then the new three-game flex plan may be just the thing for you. Choose any three of the 2019 home games, get complimentary parking, and your choice of a variety of seat locations. The three-game flex plan is available for as low as $75. The two-time defending Big South champion Owls are out to win a historic third consecutive conference title. So get your three-game flex plan today. Go to ksuowls.com slash tickets or call 470-KSU-OWLS. Fourth down three, dropping to throw is Daniel. Flushed out of the pocket, runs into a defender, escapes, guns it down the field. Caught down there somehow! K.J. Hancock all the way to the 15-yard line. Brandon Joseph here with Coach Blake Carroll. Coach, about the end of your third game as defensive coordinator for the Kennesaw State Owl. So I guess we can't call you the new defensive coordinator anymore, but how are you liking getting adjusting to coaching at Kennesaw State? Well, I love being at Kennesaw. I love the, the Kennesaw State family and just the atmosphere and, and our players and, and, and our family as coaches. Uh, so it's been good. You know, last week was uh, obviously not one of the brighter times, but we got to come back and build back upon that and kind of get the things turned back around and, and look forward and not in the rearview mirror and uh, make sure we're playing good defense and give ourselves a chance to win in the future. What was one of the draws to come here for Kennesaw State? You were a successful defensive coordinator at the Citadel and before there, but what made you want to come here? I was in a good situation at the Citadel and really enjoyed where I was and doing things. But just the opportunity here to be Coach Bohannon, and I knew they had something special going here. And uh, the chance I think you can um, – you have a chance to win a, a, the big-time championship. You know, we got to keep pushing. we got a long way still to go from there right now. But uh, just that vision of what you could accomplish here was something special to me and something I wanted to be a part of. We're almost a year removed from that Citadel-Alabama game that you were the defensive coordinator for, and they still talk about that, the time that Citadel basically shut down Alabama in the first half. Even though that was in the past, and as a coach, you're always looking forward, always looking towards the next snap. Is that something that you still take pride in, that you can still look back on and be like, yeah, I did that? Well, you know, I didn't take, make any tackles that day. It was mostly our players. But we are going back to the state of Alabama this weekend, so, uh, you know, if we could do that for a whole game, uh, what we did at the first half of Alabama last year there in uh, Tuscaloosa, I'd be happy with that. Uh, looking forward towards the games that you guys have played and will play. That first game, first game defensive coordinator for the Owls, you pitch a shutout. And the guys, and I talked to Andrew Butcher the following week, he said we really wanted that. We wanted that as a point of pride. We wanted to really lock that in, and partly because we wanted to show off what our defense is under Coach Harrell. So 
Talk about what this defense is and one the pride that you guys have in pitching a shutout coming out week one. Yeah, our, our guys take a lot of pride and take a lot of ownership in our defense. And we don't just, you know, want to go out and win the game. We want to go out and play well and win the game. We don't want to just slide by. And that's that's important to our players, important to our coaches, uh, that we do things the way we should. We always say PYP, play your position, and do that to the best of your ability. And our, our goal is to be the, one of the best defenses in the nation. And if we do our job, then we'll have that opportunity. So uh, we got to get back to make sure we're doing our job to give ourselves that chance. Is it a thing, too, where the kids are already talking about coming in your first year here? You're still getting to know some of these kids personally, what makes them tick, what motivates them. The fact they're already looking around saying, we want to play for Coach, we want to get that shutout for him. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they may say that, but I think it's, you know, we're all in this thing together. We're all a defense. We're all inside the ball, players, coaches. But uh, that, that's kind of nice of them to say. But uh, at the end of the day, we're all doing it for Kennesaw State and all for our program. Last week against Kent State, you guys had a great defensive play in early. Aside from two big plays, it was a relatively dominating performance. What did change, though, in the play calling from the bulk of the game, let's just say the last drive of the game, that was the difference in the last drive of regulation, that was the difference in just scheming and how the defense ran? You know, we we gave a couple big plays, like you said, last week, so we want to make sure we weren't giving up another big play there. Uh, keep the ball in front of us, make them drive, make them earn everything. A um, couple times there, we... we we had we slip ups there and, and should have been a little tighter in coverage and, and got home a little bit quicker. But uh, you know that's going to happen. Going to learn from it, move on, and, and hopefully next time that situation arises, we capitalize on it. You guys get ready to play a very interesting Alabama State team. A new quarterback in Kadarius uh, Davis. He is a run pass option quarterback. They run a lot of RPOs, but looking at them on film, they like to get the ball out quick. How important is it as a defensive coordinator to preach being assignment sound and trying to get those tackles, but knowing that they have speedy guys, especially on the outside, that can break off big plays? They, they've got some guys that can certainly run, and I think Coach Klein said it. They're probably the fastest running backs that we've seen and that this program's seen since we've been a part of a program and, and been a part of playing football. And they certainly get the ball in those running backs' hands. I throw those receivers quick. Quarterback makes good decisions. So it's just all around just doing your assignment, running the football, uh, making sure we're playing with championship eat, make sure we're having goal standard pursuit, and everything else take care of itself. As a defensive coordinator, as you come into your own and wherever that point was that you knew, hey, I can do this, this is the type of coach I am, at what point do you figure out how to manage the kids and also manage your other coaches? Every human is different. Every human's different in how they react. The kids sometimes yell at a kid, he shuts it down. You put your arm around a kid, that motivates them. And also with other coaches, sometimes you just have to tell them what to do. Other times, you know, Nick Saban coined the phrase the A-chewing. Sometimes you have to do that. But where do you find that point in your career that you knew, hey, I can do this and I know how to deal with different types of people, different type of coaches? Well, I think always, uh, you know, when you grow up and even as a player and you become a coach, you kind of want that responsibility and you kind of strive for responsibility. And being a defensive coordinator is one of those things I strive for and, and, and kind of running that side of the ball and being the head coach of the defense. And like you said, every every player, every coach, every year is different. And, uh, you know, but you still got to be your personality and the kids know that and they know that, hey, you're going to coach them hard and get after them, but you still love them at the end of the day. And, and like you said, there's some kids, you got to be careful about that, and you got to go love them up and hug them. And, and sometimes they like just to hear a little praise, and uh, we make sure we do that as well. So what kind of player were you? <laughs> Not a very good one. <laughs> you know, Were you the type of player that needed the little arm around, or were you the one that the coaches could get after and it motivates? Well, you forget how old I am. I'm old school, so, you know, back in those days, people got after, got after you and, uh, you didn't like getting yelled at, so you did make sure you did what it took to, to get the job done. So that's uh, that's how I was coached, but that doesn't necessarily make it right or wrong. Um, you know, some kids respond to that, some kids don't, and we got to find what makes each kid go, and we got to make sure that 
uh, we do that and give our defense and our team the best chance to win on Saturdays. Awesome, Coach. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Nathan McCurry here with wide receiver Caleb O'Neill for Kennesaw State. And, uh, Caleb, you've made the transition from quarterback to wide receiver this year. What was that transition like, and when did it start? Well, it actually started last camp. So I think it was two days before camp ended last year. I, Coach Bo came and got me and asked me, hey, we've got some injuries in the wideout room. Would you like to go fill in? So I said, of course, I just want to I just want to have a chance to play. So I ended up going over there and working hard, and Coach Buchanan helped me a lot, and a bunch of the – uh, Justin Sumter, Xavier Harper, they, Jay Walk, Gigi, they all worked real hard with me to help me get better and uh, actually be develop some receiver skills rather than just quarterback skills. And um, yeah, so it's been it's been a, it's been hard work. It's been a grind. It's been coming in every day, having to get better. And it's not a it's not an if. It's a I have to get better today if I want to continue to elevate myself and elevate my game. So just been a grind, man. So you played quarterback, uh, defensive back, and looked like punter, special teams in high school at Gordon Lee. Um, did you play wide receiver at all in high school? So I played two games my freshman year as a junior varsity wideout. And the first, both games, the first play was a go route, and the quarterback said I'm throwing as far as I can. And both of them were completions. But um, other than that, I've never played wide receiver. So uh, the transition from quarterback to wide receiver, um, you know the you know the offense. Um, w- did that make it a little bit easier for you? Absolutely. So already knowing what everyone was doing, because that's what Coach Worley, we had to know what everyone did. He really stressed that, and we had to know our job as long with how it's supposed to offense is supposed to work. And um, yeah, so it helped. It helped a bunch. We it helped with blocking. It helped with knowing techniques and all kinds of everything coverages it helped the coverages a lot because I knew how the defenses were rolling how they were spinning and it helps with route running as well as blocking knowing that Xavier Harper and Justin Sumter weren't going to be here this year um you had to know that this is going to be a pivotal position for Kennesaw State to have to replace some of those guys what was your mindset going in knowing that you may be one of these veteran guys on the group that's going to have to make some plays um well my my initial mindset was something my dad has told me since I was a little kid and it's if it is up to be it is up to me so I just try to come out here every day and attack it as if today determines if I get to play or if I don't. And Coach Buchanan told us multiple times, it's wide open. Whoever, whoever earns a spot gets a spot, and if you don't, then that's on you. And I really took that to heart and just tried to embrace it and embrace what the coaches talk to us about and the coaches tell us to talk about, or not talk about, to work, and to just come out and attack every day, get better every day, and eventually you'll get to where you want to be. So you made your first catch against Kent State. Go through that play and just talk about how it developed and, and, and the kind of relief of making that first catch. All right, so we, we had run that play earlier in the game, and I, had, I got blindsided. I got smoked, and I was really upset about that. So I came off the ball, and I identified where that linebacker was, and uh, I just got, it my, got on my route, and I noticed I was wide open, and as soon as I turned my head, I made eye contact with Daniel, and just thank the Lord. I looked it in, made sure I tucked it, got the had to get the first down because it was fourth and five. So I just tried to get upfield, and it was it was a big it was a big weight lifted off my chest. So in the red zone last year, you, you kind of knew Sumter was going to be a threat. Now he is gone. Do you feel the pressure that uh, in that red zone they're going to have to have someone to throw the fade to? Um, absolutely. Maybe not as much the fade, but more just someone they can depend on when they need to call their number and when they and when coach wants to call our number. And we do it 
almost almost every practice we have one-on-ones with the DBs. So all of us are working our craft, working our footwork, working our routes to where hopefully we can get enough trust from the QBs and the coaches to say, I believe in I believe in Caleb or I believe in Ryan Pontrelli or I believe in KJ Hancock or whoever is in the in the game. So being a former quarterback, do you have a kind of a special connection with uh, Daniel David and Tommy Bryant, some of these other quarterbacks on the roster? Uh, I feel like I do. I feel like think because I've played quarterback since forever, so I, or I played quarterback, and uh, I know how a lot of quarterbacks think, and I also know how they were taught by Coach Worley because I was in that room for almost two years. So I, I kind of understand what they're looking for and the keys that they have depending on the defense. So I believe that, yeah, I do. I know I can kind of not think what they're thinking, but I can kind of read the keys and hope we read it the same way. So uh, we'll turn our focus to Alabama State. This this is a team that Kennesaw State's familiar with. Um, blew them out at home last year, but two years ago at their place, they put up a heck of a fight. What do you know about this team? Um, I know that they are probably one of the best or the best Alabama team we've played in these past three years. They're really stout. They've they uh, they played really good against UAB uh, from film. They should have won that game, or they they had a bunch of chances to win that game. Um, they played very well against Tuskegee. They have some they have some big DBs, and they're really big up front. So we just gotta just gotta come out to practice, get better, and prepare ourselves to be able to handle anything that they throw at us. Well, I think all of us were a little surprised at 20-plus throws in that Kent State game. Um, do you feel like the offense is is playing to its pieces and we'll see more passes this year? Um, I honestly don't know. I feel like the coaches are going to try to do whatever they can to put us in the best position to win, no matter what game, what circumstance. So if Coach Chesnut and Coach Bohannon feel that, then, then yeah. But if they don't, then we're going to stick to the bread and butter. All right, Caleb, thanks for joining us today. This interview brought to you by HelloFresh. More Inside the Nest when we return. Fans will have more reason to be excited at kickoff this season as Kennesaw State will host a free tailgate, live music, and a variety of food trucks for each game at Fifth Third Bank Stadium. Prior to every home game, fans can get ready for game day with Owl Town, a free tailgate that begins three hours prior to kickoff. Located at the Owl's Nest, off Busby Drive, across from the Gold Lot, Owl Town provides a fun and festive atmosphere for all ages. Owl Town will feature live music, a variety of vendors, and there will be inflatable fun for kids. Get there early because thanks to JD's Barbecue, Owltown has free food to the first 200 fans. Alcohol, soft drinks, and water will be available for sale. Owltown closes 30 minutes prior to kickoff, but KSU is excited to announce the addition of food trucks inside Fifth Third Bank Stadium. Every home game, fans can add local and unique flavors to their game day experience. Kennesaw State football, the gold standard. If you've been wondering what could solve your dinner dilemma or ever wanted to try out the concept of meal kit delivery, HelloFresh will be there during home games to talk about healthy eating and sustainability. Our brand ambassadors will have example menu cards for our typical recipes and also feature specialty diets such as keto, gluten-free, and vegan. If you've been wondering what the keto diet is or perhaps how meal kits help the environment, we've got all the answers. We'll have a special discount if you find the HelloFresh is right for you. Come learn about healthy eating with HelloFresh. Third down and 12. They need the Kennesaw State 40-yard line. Back to throw Crum. Pocket collapses. Here comes the pressure. Crum is going to be thrown out of bounds. He'll lose a couple more, and it'll be fourth down. Peyton Moore. 
And we're back inside the nest, presented by HelloFresh. Brian Giffen, Nathan McCreary. Right now, we're at Fifth Third Bank Stadium recording this episode of Inside the Nest, but Saturday night, we will be in Montgomery, Alabama, as the Owls take on Alabama State. It'll be the third meeting between those two teams. And, Nathan, you know, the, the Owls survived Alabama State in a game they didn't play particularly well in at this facility in Montgomery a couple of years ago. Last year, they blew Alabama State out here. But uh, Coach Mahan told me this morning, Alabama State, you know, they gave UAB all they could handle, and they beat Tuskegee a week ago. So mm-hmm. they're a one-and-one team, too. And to some degree, they might be looking for a little redemption against the Owls, who, if I remember correctly, hung a 60-burger on them a year ago. Yeah, and it was a, a transition in coaching staffs there for Alabama State. Looks like they've solidified the, the schemes. And, you know, they, they actually played very well against Tuskegee. They had 347 yards passing, four touchdowns, and their average completion was 17.4 yards, which is a little concerning with, with the, the, the long down-the-field passes we saw against Kent State uh, that Dorian Walker gave up that big long one uh, on a third down but you do have to be concerned with the the downfield passing but you you've handled them once a once a year ago the same pieces are there it looks like uh, I think you're going to go into this game pretty confident um, but you know it, you, anything can happen we watch those games you know we watch the uh, the UAB score and going okay Alabama State is is a team that's much improved and given an FPS opponent all at once well Alabama State hosting Kennesaw State Saturday night. We remind you again, our broadcast, now that's 5 o'clock kickoff in Alabama, but 6 o'clock here in the Atlanta area. Our broadcast will go on the air on 1230 The Sports X at 530, and we'll have coverage between the Owls and Hornets coming up at 6 o'clock or shortly thereafter. We also remind you that you can get the game on TuneIn. You know, there's a TuneIn Pro, we should make this clear, that when you go and you go to add the TuneIn app to your phone, there's a TuneIn Pro page that comes up that wants to charge you $4.99. You just hit your back button and scroll away from that and sign up for TuneIn free. Or you can search TuneIn free version on your phone or in your app store and find the one that you need. But Alabama State coming off a 38-31 win against Tuskegee. That's a longtime rival Mm -hmm. of theirs. And, you know, this is one of those things that, you know, the the Owls have won Alabama in the past, and this is one of those games that becomes somewhat important for recruiting purposes because you do recruit heavily in Alabama, and obviously Alabama State does too. Yeah, and you've you've uh, you got a, a pipeline there from in Alabama that you've got like a Jake McKenzie from, you know, who was a, a great player for Kennesaw yep. State uh, from the get go. So yeah, it's definitely a big game. It was a big game for Alabama State as well as they beat Tuskegee for the second consecutive time. And, you know, they're they're pounding their chest about that one. Those historically black colleges have great rivalries, long time rivalries. So it was a big win for them. They're coming off that that win with some momentum, welcoming in Kennesaw State, who's licking its wounds from. Kent State, and I think Alabama State probably is happy the Owls aren't coming off uh, a big win against the FBS opponent. How about this? Now, we're heading into the third game of the fifth season for this program, as we all well know, started in 2015. They have not lost consecutive games in a season since that very first year. The Owls have played 40 games without losing back-to-back contests, and this will only be the 52nd game in the program's history. What does that say about the start of this program, man? Well, you know, it it says a lot about uh, how Kennesaw State is the model 
of what a new program, an upstart FCS program can be. And there was a lot of, you know, chatter about, you know, the type of offense that's this, that's going to be run here. And, and I got a chance to talk to Brian Bohannon the first few months of this uh, recruiting program, uh, the recruiting in this program, football program. And he knew there was going to be a controversy about the spread option offense. Yeah. But he looked at me in the eye and he said, it's the only way we can win now. And that's what he was concerned with. It's the only way we can win now. And clearly, he has a great grasp of it. He's surrounded himself with Grant Chestnut, who has a great grasp yeah. of it. And they've turned this into – we threw the ball 21 times against Kent State. I don't think you'll see that many passes uh, against Alabama State. But the option is there. Um, this is the Kennesaw, St- Kennesaw State kind of spread option. And, you know, that's – that when you have a limited resources to limited athletes and recruiting – Man, a spread option is the way to go because even Kent State said they had to spend a month of their camp trying to prepare for this one game on their schedule because they just don't see it that often. You know, Coach made the point this morning, and he's spot on if you look back over the numbers. The one thing about Kennesaw State is that if you have to throw the ball 20 times, they haven't won one of those games. So, you know, the bellwether, of course, is running that option and running the ball. But uh, the fact that you can throw it – Still adds some intrigue to it, and we saw Daniel do that. Speaking of Daniel, had a pretty good game. Did make a couple of mistakes, ran for his life in some instances. I found it kind of interesting, and I wondered then with Coach if it was by design that it seemed like he would roll out a lot, and he was obviously able to throw on the move a few times. Did make the mistake, throwing a pick in the end zone. But all in all, I thought a pretty gutsy performance by Daniel David, who did take some hits in the game. Oh, yeah, he did. He took some big hits. Um, You know, he's running the offense efficiently behind a very young offensive line, and and that's something he's – you know that's that's what good quarterbacks do. He, he knows the re, the the resources he's got up front. Um, they did run to that right side, but they they're able to move that pocket. But that's the same kind of movement on those pitches to the outside. Um, and those offensive linemen are basically blocking a little further down the field uh, on those pitches. So um, a lot of movement on that offensive line, I think, helps those young uh, that young offensive line. You know, those guys on there. I think it helps to have Matt Olson, who who played some last year. It sounds like Chris Dye and Jake uh, Jake Lassiter are stepping in the the center. Um, uh, Nana Fabu looks like he's yeah. he's going to be a solid uh, center there. You did see, I think Olson took a couple snaps during that Kent State game, but you know that line is coming together. And like you said, when they're able to move it and and form a pocket for him to throw in, everyone's expecting that pitch. Everyone's expecting him to tuck and run. And you're seeing some of those wide receivers, especially some of the B-backs out of the backfield, become open. Well, speaking of wide receivers, final point for you. I really thought that both K.J. Hancock and Caleb O'Neill kind of stepped up and showed that they're the feature guys. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have some others, but they both had good games against Kent State. They had big catches. Isaac Foster really should have had another one. The Owls went five for six on fourth downs. And, you know, one of the things that really stood out in that game was how often the Owls were behind the sticks, either due to a penalty or, or, you know, a loss on first, second down. And, I mean, they converted a lot of those. Of course, the reason you go for fourths is because you're not converting thirds. And I think one of the things they'll look to do this week is not get themselves behind the sticks as much. But by and large, back to the original point, those receivers, I thought, really stepped up and had a good game. And I think you start to believe now that, okay, there's the reason those two guys are – pretty much going to yeah. be your feature guys, and that doesn't mean you don't have others. This this offense is not comfortable in a third and eight because they know if they can gain 
four yards and it's fourth and four or shorter, they're going to go for it. I mean, yeah. they, they can they have the confidence in uh, this offense to get, get four yards when they need it. What I was surprised at is how often we had to go through it on fourth and eight, fourth and six, yeah. something like that. Fourth and thirteen. Four, and yeah, exactly. So, um, and they and they were comfortable throwing the ball, putting the pressure on those wide receivers. Pontrelli had a drop uh, that was costly. Isaac Foster also had a drop that was costly, but. Again, K.J. Hancock and Caleb O'Neill are becoming your kind of standout uh, wide receivers that are available down the field. And, again, those, those B-backs getting open. Um, Isaac Foster was there. He was open a good bit. Uh, the pressure, I think, got to Daniel David. But, yeah, it's definitely an option for them, and they're not scared to go for it on fourth down. I think that's a tremendous – I'd rather have fourth and one. But yeah, of course. the confidence there to go for it on fourth and six or fourth and 13 even is is it's there for this team because they have that much confidence in their in their – offensive style they may not want to do it 20 times a game and it may not happen very often but the very fact that they're capable of it adds a dimension that's going to give opposing defensive coordinators headaches trying to add that element in there for how you defend this offense it really adds credence to the old thing about the option that it makes you defend the entire field it really makes you defend it just that much more well and and I, i thought it was interesting we didn't really talk about this but throwing the ball on first down now, if it's an incomplete pass, it's second and ten, and you've got three additional yeah. downs to get that. But I thought that was very telling that, you know, first and ten, a spread option is going to run the football. They yeah. threw it a lot on first down, and that, that may be something we see more often. Well, that'll about wrap up this episode of Inside the Nest. We remind you once again, it'll be the Owls and the Hornets of Alabama State coming your way Saturday night. A 5.30 pregame show, 6 o'clock kickoff between the Owls and Hornets over in Montgomery, Alabama. And we remind you one more time here in the Atlanta area, 106.3 on the FM dial, 103.7 on the south side of Atlanta on the FM dial, and of course 12.30 on the AM dial. And then the free version of TuneIn, just go to 12.30, the Sports X. You'll be able to get the broadcast on all your devices and we really look forward to getting over there, right there at the birthplace of Nat King Cole. That's right. Man. But uh, also Hank Williams is there. There's a lot of history yeah, in Montgomery, and no it'll doubt. be fun going over to face the Hornets this weekend. And we're going to try and get to Martin's uh, Fried Chicken Place. Yeah. Everyone's saying this place has been open for 75 years. It's got the best fried chicken. So we'll give we're you leaving re- early. Yeah, <laughs> we'll give you a report next week. <laughs> we're leaving early, and we're going to be stuffed on the air. <laughs> but that'll do it for this episode. Nathan, thanks as always, man. Really enjoyed doing these podcasts, and we. We will see you on the sidelines. Absolutely. Actually, we'll see you on the ride over there. Love it. But uh, that'll do it for Inside the Nest this week. Brian Giffen with Nathan McCreary. We thank you for joining us. Tune in Saturday, everybody. Go Owls. Thank you for listening to Inside the Nest. And tune in all season long for insights and analysis on your 2019 Owls. Inside the Nest is a production of Kennesaw State Athletics, Van Wagner Sports and Entertainment, and HelloFresh.